Programming on the Inherent Dream Podcast Network is made possible by Realtor Elizabeth Merwin-Smith. Over 35 years of experience in all aspects of real estate. For more information, call Beth at 763-286-3729. Fox Point Publishing. Find your new favorite book with Fox Point Publishing. Find more information at foxpointpublishing.com. Roll Air Plumbing and Heating a locally owned family business in Zimmerman. For service, call 763-250-1595 or visit online at rollairrepair.com. Zimmerman Floral and Gifts, your hometown florist with a lovely variety of fresh flowers and creative gift ideas. Stop in at the shop or shop online at zimmermanfloral.com. In Good Hands Massage. Treat yourself to a massage. Book your appointment or get your gift cards at facebook.com backslash massage by Lindsay. Jensen Sales Plus. Looking to buy or sell online? Look no further than JSP. Get started at jensensalesplus.com. And listeners like you. This is the Inherit Dream Podcast Network. Welcome to the Trevor J. Brown Show. The Trevor J. Brown Show is meant for an adult audience. The Trevor J. Brown Show may contain explicit language and topics. Listener discretion is advised. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show. Be a part of the show and email us at inherentdream at yahoo.com. Visit our website at inherentdream.com. And now, your host, Trevor J. Brown. Welcome into another edition of the Trevor J. Brown Show on the Inherent Dream Podcast Network. We have a stellar program lined up for you this week, including... Yeah, Mr. TNT is here. It's still football season. We'll recap championship weekend from the National Football League. Stones 49ers go down. We get the Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl in Arizona a week from Sunday. Looking forward to it. We'll talk to Stone all about it. We also have Fox Point Publishing author Thea Kwame joining us for an interview This evening, we celebrate the 25th birthday of Nimrod by Green Day. But we start off tonight, the time of your life. So, I've been incorporating some personal experiences, some life stories, if you will, into the program, into our Moron Spotlight segment the last few weeks. And I do these not to step up on my soapbox and act like I'm better than everybody else or better than you or that I'm some Nostradamus and have all this life knowledge that I want to share. I share these stories because at some point in my life, and I I still go through this, at some point in my life, I was the kid in junior high and high school that was overweight, still overweight, wears glasses, still wear glasses, had bad skin. Skin's not so bad now. But I was made fun of. You know, I was I was the kid that 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 kids made fun of in school. I was in that crowd. Didn't have a lot of friends. And then you go to college and things are a little bit better. And then you go through life and things get a little bit better. And then you start doing things on your own and you start getting some more confidence. And then it's weird how life turns because when you're in junior high and high school, you're the kid that's getting made fun of and people don't want to be your friend. But then as life goes along, the roles sort of reverse in a way, not for everybody, but now when you go in and you have dinner and a drink at a restaurant, you see the kids that didn't want to hang out with you 
when you were back in junior high and high school, they come up to you and they, they want to talk to you. They want to be your friend now. And not that they're not successful, not that they have their own thing going on, but it's funny how people forget. And I think part of that is the day and age, the, the social media age, the digital age that we live in, where we all feel like, oh man, I sat next to this kid in chemistry class. I need to be friends with him on on Facebook. I never spoke to him in class, but but I feel like I need to stay connected to them. And the problem with the social age, the digital age, is that we have that in our mindset that whoever we run into in our life, oh, this person sat four rows behind me in health class. I better I better follow them on Twitter. I better like them on, on Facebook. I better keep in touch just in case. Like that's so important. The thing in life is is sometimes you have to let people go. And sometimes that's a tough lesson. And one of those lessons I'm I'm learning now, I'm going through it now. And again, I share these stories because perhaps at some point you're that kid in the back of the room right now in high school that's struggling with confidence. Perhaps you're in college and you don't have a lot of friends. Perhaps you're in your mid thirties and don't have a lot of friends and, and it is what it is. Or perhaps your life is so golden, but maybe this story can help you in some way. So I met last summer a couple of, of friends for lunch and was really looking forward to it. Haven't seen these guys for a long time. And we we got together and we had lunch and we talked sports and, and everybody was talking about themselves. Well, they were. And I always tried to be a, a good listener As Judge Judy has famously stated, God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. So I like to listen. I like to ask questions. I like to be engaged with people because I feel like it's a bad look when people constantly talk about themselves. I, it's weird. I mean, I host these podcasts. I I get it. I have a tough time talking about myself. I have a tough time promoting my music or the art and photography exhibits, food and song, those sort of things, because it's, I just, I don't necessarily like the limelight. You know, I I don't want to be the center of attention. I want to focus on the good that we're trying to do and the fun projects that we're trying to do, but I don't in a way want to talk about myself, if that makes sense. So we meet for lunch, we order, And they kind of start off talking about themselves and their jobs and how everything is going, their living situations and all of this. But nothing is ever too in-depth. The most in-depth that they go is about their careers, but they never dive in that deep to their personal lives. So through this lunch, we get our meal. You continue to listen. You continue to ask questions. And towards the end of the meal, like we're done eating at this point. And I've barely spoken five words to them during the lunch, besides asking questions about their careers and how things are going and all of that. And I remember towards the end of the meal, I looked at both of them and I said, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I told you or not, but I, I left such and such company and now I'm working for this company. This was before I went head first, dove right into to Inherent Dream in the fall. And I was like, yeah, I switched to, from this company to this company and I'm still working from home. And it was legitimately like a 20 second, hey, here's what I'm doing now. And just the response that I got from them, it was almost like, oh, really? Like they, they put their nose up at me like, oh, I okay, well, we didn't ask, but, uh, okay, well, thanks for sharing this information with us. Like it was almost news that was beneath them. And I remember walking out of that lunch and I'm like, is this even really a friendship anymore? And that's something that you have to think about in your life is who's in your life and what's the reason they're in your life. Because so often in this 
digital age, we feel as if we have to keep everybody in our lives that we've ever met. And I will be completely honest with you and I'll give you a little advice. Not everyone is worth keeping in your life for your entire life. Some people come and they stay in your life. Some people come in your life and then they go and they never come back. Some people come and go and then they come back. And it's all different. I have been blessed with a really good relationship with with my family. With my mom and dad and brother. And they've been in my life my entire life. We've never had periods of time where it's like, I'm not talking to you for five years. No. But other people can't relate to that. Other people had a very difficult time growing up in the in the home that they lived in. And maybe they were a victim of divorce or something more tragic happened. Maybe those things, maybe their mom and dad comes back into their lives at a certain point. But that's the same thing with friends. Not everybody is is worth keeping company with forever. And I I don't know what I don't know why people act the way that they do. I go through these phases a lot, and I've talked about it on this program, where I get a few days each month like really depressed because I think of the effort that I try to put into friendships and trying to keep in contact with people. And I just, I feel like I don't get that in return. And I'm not asking for much. But what irritates me especially is when people, (laughs) when people like don't, I, I, I get that people have a life and I'm not the center of everyone's world. I understand that. But also everybody that I've ever met, your phone is within arm's reach of you at pretty much any given time. And for some people to like, Oh, hey, sorry, it's been a week. I couldn't respond to you. It's just, it's rude. It's absolutely rude. And I, I've gone through this with starting Inherent Dream, like with business. You can run your business any way you want. We talked about it on the program last week. You can run your business any way you want. Clearly, you have a business. But the lessons that I'm learning along the way of how I don't want to treat people and how I don't want to run my business is equally as as important to me as anything else that I've been learning along the way. And part of that is a, a difficult situation of learning where you're at in your life, learning where you're at in your business and realizing and asking yourself, do I need these people in my life? Do I need these people affiliated with my business? Do I want them affiliated with my business? There are so many times where you start something like a business and this should be the time of your life. This should be the time for big wins and celebrations and and lessons along the way. But the reason why I question it, the time of your life, because you're going to get a lot of people that are your champions. And what's crazy, and not that that's crazy, you're going to get a lot of people that are your champions that you've never met before. That if you're a good salesperson, or whatever line of work you're going in, whatever company you're starting, you're going to find people that believe in you. But then you're going to have sort of the shock of people that you thought were your friends that you think would give a damn about what you're doing and be your biggest champions, and they don't give a damn. They don't care. And I don't know what that is. If that's jealousy or they're just too high on themselves, but they don't care. And then that shows you a sign of a true friend. If they don't care about your endeavors, if they don't care what you're doing, then are are they worth being in your life? I get it. People have different things going on. People have kids. People have other jobs. People have to live life. But a good friend will always be there. And a good friend will always show some form of genuine interest. And when that form of genuine interest leaves, you need to start asking the questions 
Is this person worth keeping in my life? Perhaps they leave now and they come back. Or perhaps they're written off the show and they don't come back. And you wish them, hey, we wish you well. Have a good life. Be successful. Do what you want. Be happy. Make a lot of money if that brings you happiness. Travel the world. Do whatever you want to do. But this friendship ain't working. Plenty more to come here on the Trevor J. Brown Show. We got Mark Stone tonight. Fox Point publishing author Thea Kwame joins us for an interview as well. And up next, we talk a little bit about Nimrod from Green Day. It celebrated its 25th birthday back in the fall. So we are a few weeks late on the birthday, but the uh, deluxe edition, anniversary edition came out here a couple weeks ago in January, and I've been listening to it for pretty much since it came out. So I, I want to talk about Nimrod by Green Day. That's up next. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show on the Inherent Dream Podcast Network. The Trevor J. Brown Show. Time to relax. Time to treat yourself. Time for a massage. Time to head to In Good Hands Massage in Malacca. In Good Hands Massage specializes in all types of massage, including deep tissue, relaxation, hot stone, sports massage, and more. They also offer salt lamps, essential oils, and much more. Book your appointment today or get your gift cards at facebook.com slash massage by Lindsay. In Good Hands Massage in Malacca, the official relaxation spot of the Trevor J. Brown Show. So I wanted to have a special segment celebrating the birthday, even though we are a few weeks late, of Nimrod, the fifth studio album by American rock band Green Day. It was originally released October 14th, 1997 and the reason why we're talking about this is the band back in january released a special anniversary edition of the album more on that in a second the album was recorded in la at conway recording studios now when they started work on the album the intent was to create a set of standalone songs as opposed to a cohesive album. Retrospectively, Nimrod is noted for its musical diversity and experimentation containing elements of folk, hardcore, surf rock, ska, punk rock, pump, uh, pop punk, rather, and alternative rock. Lyrical themes discussed include maturity, personal reflection, and fatherhood. The album peaked at number 10 on the Billboard US charts and was certified double platinum by the Recording Industry Association of America. The record was also certified triple platinum in Australia and double platinum in Canada. Upon release, Nimrod received generally positive reviews from critics who praised Armstrong's songwriting, and the album yielded the acoustic single Good Riddance, Time of Your Life. Time of Your Life? There's no question mark on theirs which appeared in numerous popular culture events, including an episode of Seinfeld. So what I enjoy about Nimrod is, so it comes off Insomniac, which was released in 95. The huge hit Brain Stew and Jaded was on Insomniac. Geek Stink Breath, the song stuck with me. And that was coming off the album Dookie. Dookie was their third album and their major label debut. And of course, that has all the early hits. Longview, Welcome to Paradise, Basket Case, She, When I Come Around. Dookie is a great record. It's on Rolling Stone's list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. It should be. It's ranked at number 193. It's it's described by many as the great one of the greatest punk rock and pop punk albums of all time. Dookie has the hits, but Nimrod has the grit. And Nimrod has hits too, but it doesn't have the legacy, if you will, as Dookie. But why I enjoy Nimrod 
I didn't necessarily understand it when I was 11 years old when this album came out. I was 11 when the album came out, right in the, the peak of, of junior high. Right in the peak of being a fat kid with glasses in junior high. Now you get this album and it has the artwork where it has the yearbook pictures on it and the yellow little sticker covers the the head and it says Nimrod on it. I thought it was I thought it was just so edgy and and so cool. Think about seeing that for the first time as an 11-year-old. And when you're in the car, I, I you know, I've been listening to it with the wife. And I love the wife, but she she wasn't necessarily exposed to punk rock music growing up. So a lot of like Green Day stuff is new to her. And she was like, how on earth did your mom let you listen to this? How did she let you have this album? And I said, well, when you're in the car, you play Good Riddance Time of Your Life with her, the acoustic song. Oh, that's a nice number. You're not you're not showing uh, Mama Brown songs like Nice Guys Finish Last or The Grouch. Still great songs. But let's let's be honest, when you're 11 years old, you're being very careful. You're being cautious of what you're playing your parents in the car. But now if I play those songs for Mama Brown, it's probably that's that's a that's a pretty good song. But when you're 11, you you don't, you know, you're going to you're going to show good riddance. So the album came out when I was 11 and I thought it was so edgy and again, for for the glitz and glam of Dookie, the hits that are on Dookie. I get it. I'm not taking anything away from Dookie, but there's there's a side of me as I've gotten older where, and I know I'm in the minority on this. I know I am. What I am going to say sounds a little crazy. But I feel as if Nimrod has more staying power. That's just me. That's where I'm at with everything. The uh, 25th anniversary edition came out on January 27th. The expanded version included uh, 30 bonus tracks on two discs, including demos and live versions of some of their singles. And it also includes remastered versions of the original album's songs. It's so good. And, and really, the, the live stuff, there's like a whole performance, a whole concert on there from a show that they did in Philadelphia. You listen to that, and it shows you how damn good Green Day is as a live band. And a lot of these songs, I feel, have staying power, not just on Nimrod, but a lot of the early stuff, when they've been touring the last couple of years, they have almost played... Nothing new. They've been playing a lot of stuff up to like 21st Century Breakdown, which was what, 2009? But a lot of stuff from American Idiot, a lot of stuff from Nimrod, a lot of stuff from Dookie, Kerplunk. I don't, I, I doubt they're ashamed of the new stuff, but in a way, it's like they're celebrating what got them there, which is in a way kind of cool to see. I don't mind if, if bands throw in new stuff if it's, really good, but I, I feel like Green Day hasn't had a really great record in, in, in a while. I still enjoy Green Day, but I highly recommend Nimrod. And especially check out this 25th anniversary edition. You get the remastered album, you get bonus tracks, you have the demos, and then you have the the live record, which is a concert from Philadelphia back in like 97. And again, listen to that live music and how tight it is and what the showmanship from these guys. We're going back 25 years and you're like, well, if you see them now, you're thinking, well, yeah, Green Day. They've had a long time to to harness what they are. When they come to town, they're playing places like Target Field the last time they played. So this show was live at the Electric Factory in Philadelphia back in, what, 1997. 
But you can even start to see some of the things that they incorporated then. You can see what they were doing then, how they incorporated into their shows now and how they've made it a true spectacle. How cool that is, how that how cool that is to see. You don't even just have to be a fan of punk rock or Green Day to like this. If you like music in general, I highly recommend it. And I'm usually not somebody that's real high on remasters and re-releases because a lot of bands I feel it's like, hey, we're going to repackage this and put a couple demos in there and a couple live recordings and call it a day. No, this was done with with almost perfection. And the band really took time, or I don't know if the band put it, I'm sure they had something to do with it. The band, the label, both of them, whoever, they really took the time to put this together nicely. And it is uh, something that uh, I I have been streaming on Spotify since it came out. And I, I think I'm going to buy the vinyl as well, because I think that would be something cool to uh something cool to have so the 25th anniversary edition of nimrod is out now i uh, highly highly recommend checking it out we have mark stone coming up here tonight and up next fox point publishing author thea kwame on the trevor j brown show programming on the inherent dream podcast network is made possible by extra mile construction Voted number one in interior design and remodeling by the Elk River Star News. Get your project started today and visit extramileconstruction.com. The Lime Tree Group, helping to provide safe spaces where children can learn and dream. To learn more, visit thelimetreegroup.org. Ashley Taylor Salon and Spa, a full-service salon and spa for women and men in Zimmerman. Book your appointment online at ashleytaylorsalon.com. The Deep Valley Book Festival, Saturday, October 7th at the Country Inn & Suites in Mankato. For more information, visit deepvalleybookfestival.com. Jenna Jensen. Let Jenna be your paper pie brand partner. Get started with your order with the link through our website, inherentdream.com backslash sponsors. Pruitt's Paradise, an Airbnb rental located in Lanesboro, Minnesota. Take it easy at this unique and tranquil getaway. Book online at airbnb.com. Just search for Pruitt's Paradise. Medawana Visionary, a psychic located in central Minnesota. More information is available on Facebook. Just search for Dark Art and Pony Rides. And listeners like you. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show on the Inherent Dream Podcast Network. Kind enough now to be joined by Thea Kwame. She is an author with Fox Point Publishing. You can find out more about Thea, foxpointpublishing.com, backslash author, dash Thea, dash Kwame, and that's K-V-A-M-M-E. Thea, thanks so much for joining us. How are you? Not too bad. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about the writing process in general. It mentioned in your bio on the Fox Point website that you always dreamed of being a writer. Where do you feel like that dream came from for you? Um, Honestly, I've always wanted to be a writer. I think a lot of it was like reading rainbow you know you'd we'd watch that on the tv and it'd show you how it took you to all these different places and when i was reading you know it would just bring me to a different world a little fantasy world so you know i always wanted to do that for other people too were there specific genres that that you enjoyed reading more than others when you were growing up um i like pretty much everything um i did used to read the um babysitters club a lot when i was growing up okay in terms of writing and the creative writing process i guess what what is your favorite part of that process watching it all come together like watching the pictures make my book come alive i know with the book uh vapors of sadness and also with with uh, the other book as well, you deal with a variety of of different issues that a lot of people would kind of consider, you know, kind of adult themed. I mean, the Curse of Laxness talks about Alzheimer's disease, 
and Vapors of Sadness talks about depression, yet these are children's books, yet it's so important to talk to kids about these things, about depression and their feelings and, and the different things that they may be going through, and, and also Alzheimer's disease. Kind of touch on both of those. Yeah, with my mom, you know, my kids had a hard time understanding it, so I wanted to write something for kids so that they could understand it but not be scared of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there were a lot of times my mom would repeat herself and they wouldn't understand why. And, you know, sometimes you see people with Alzheimer's, they get angry or, you know, they kind of lash out and you want kids to understand that these things can happen, but that person is still who you know mm-hmm. inside. How did your children deal with that? Um. Well, I guess my mom always would play with stuffed animals with them. Mm -hmm. So I think that that really calmed them down. And, you know, my kids were like, well, why does grandma keep repeating herself? And I'm like, it's, it's just her disease, but, you know, just answer her like you normally would Mm -hmm. don't treat her any different. And I mean, they, they always love to go see her and they always loved watching her play with her stuffed animals. Thea Kwame, our guest. Thea, was it difficult? I, well, I imagine it was very difficult for you. And, and you know, you, you mentioned how your, your children dealt with it. But mm-hmm. how was that for you? I mean, when you when she got the diagnosis, did everything kind of come on rather quickly? Um, I guess we kind of noticed a lot more, like things were making more sense. You know, she would forget something or she would repeat herself and you know at first it was like well why is she doing that Mm -hmm. but you know as she progressively got worse my biggest fear was that she would forget who I was and she only forgot who I was for a split second twice but you know it it broke my heart because that's my mom you know she should know me but she she didn't always remember my name, but she knew I was her baby girl. Interesting. It, I would I would imagine that uh, it's very challenging to deal with that, and it's one of those diseases that is just it's it's rather cruel, you know, when when you think yeah. about it. Yeah, definitely. So the the character in these books, it's mm-hmm. it's Mousedraken. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. How did you come up with the original concept for, for Mousedraken? Well, I promised my mom that I that she had a, a little mouse that she kept with her as, as she progressively got worse. She would take him everywhere with her, and it, it was kind of like her, her security blanket, you know. Mm-hmm. It kept her feeling safe. And my mom always loved stuffed mice. So I was like, well, I have to do something with a mouse. And I was like, I promised her that he would keep going on adventures. And I was like, well, what about turning him into a mouse dragon? Mm -hmm. And my mom was very German. So (laughs) I decided to use the German words for mouse dragon. Yeah. I love it. I, I'm looking at the picture of uh, of mouse dragon uh, on on your Fox point page. And uh, Mm -hmm. Uh, it's just a lovable character, you know. It's like somebody you want to know, like a like a good uh, like a good buddy. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so with with this, I mean, you you have the book talking about the Alzheimer's disease, and that that's the curse of laxness, and then the vapors of sadness talks about depression. Mm-hmm. So I I assume that there'll be more adventures here, uh, for for this character. Yep, I have one that should come out sometime this year i believe and that's on the beauty within okay wonderful and and these are all again very important lessons i i wish you know i haven't read these books myself yet but i'm intrigued to to find out more about them because in a way i i I wish that there were more books like this when i was growing up because a lot of these issues weren't talked about and honestly they're still not talked a, a whole lot about now and I feel like it's very important for for adults to have these conversations with uh, with their children I agree and to teach their children that you know it's okay to have feelings about 
anything and to talk about your feelings and it's it's okay to you know ask questions do you uh, before i let you go do you have like a favorite book that uh i guess your old time favorite book and then uh do you have a like a favorite book from the last couple of years uh, my favorite book from when i was growing up was tiki tiki tembo okay and I just loved it because my parents would read it to me and this kid had the longest name ever. And, you know, <laughs> I, I just loved listening to him. And as for now, I, I love reading anything, honestly. Well, Thea, I, I appreciate you coming on the program and talking about your books. Again, we, uh, we recommend everybody go to foxpointpublishing.com backslash author dash Thea dash Kwame and that is K-V-A-M-M-E Thea thanks so much and uh, have a great rest of your week thank you you too Thea Kwame tonight here on the Trevor J. Brown Show on the Inherent Dream Podcast Network the Trevor J. Brown Show looking to buy or sell online but don't know where to start look no further than Jensen Sales Plus JSP makes buying and selling online easy. From Craigslist to Amazon, eBay to Etsy, they can help you with it all. Check out their website for more information, JensenSalesPlus.com. That's JensenSalesPlus.com. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show on the Inherent Dream Podcast Network. It's a free-for-all Friday. With Mark Stone. Uh, Stone, how the heck you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good, Trevor. You know, we're kind of in that lull right in between, you know, uh, NFC and AFC championship games and Super Bowl. You know, apparently there's a Pro Bowl flag football game being played this weekend. Oh, goody. You know, uh, yeah, the uh, pussification of America continues, folks. Um. You know, what was funny was Hack was was very excited about the flag football game. And he's actually going to Vegas this weekend to attend. He uh, invited us both to go, and I told him to shove it. So uh, we had that opportunity to go, but I said no thanks. Uh, we'll recap the AFC and NFC Championship games in a second, but let's let's talk a little bit about Tom Brady retiring again. And I will start off by saying this. This is really the only thing that I want to say on the matter, okay? Seven-time Super Bowl champion, five-time Super Bowl MVP, three-time NFL Most Valuable Player, two-time NFL Offensive Player of the Year, NFL Comeback Player of the Year in 2009, three-time first team, three-time second team, 15-time Pro Bowler, I don't want to hear anyone try to make the argument ever that he's not the greatest quarterback of all time. Now, there are some that, sure, we could have the debate if you want to, if you want to waste some time, sure. But some of these people, Stone, the people that they put into the category of the greatest of all time, people, I've heard the name Aaron Rodgers before, give me a break, dude. He has one ring. He has one. You play to win. You play to win championships. Tom Brady did that. He has seven of them. There's no argument here. Well, and Trevor also missing from that extensive resume when you're talking about putting it together. He also won 10 championship games. He went to 10 Super Bowls. Yeah. A lot of people have a hard enough time getting to one, Rogers. Um, <laughs> it's... I mean, there's just it just pales in comparison. The man when we football is judged by one thing, unlike the NBA and a lot of our other sports, which it's about statistics and how much that you can put up. And we've talked about this on our on this show on how we judge careers and players. The NFL truly is a team game and truly judges by championships. And Tom was one of those who brought people along for the ride, took numerous pay cuts, restructures to make sure he had the best of the best around him. And when he could no longer get the best of the best around him, when he couldn't get receivers to separate anymore, he made sure he got his way out of town and got to a place 
where they did have it and again signed a team-friendly deal while doing it and then restructured as well in order to try to repeat a lot of the quarterbacks if you want to be great in this league and you want to have a long and successful career going to numerous super bowls and competing for championships you need to take a tape page out of tom brady not 50 million dollar contracts not 40 million dollar dak prescott kirk cousin <laughs> style contracts yeah. you need to be more in that 25 to 30 million dollar range still getting paid but leaving money on the table so you your team can go and get weapons and hopefully again that that team is smart enough to go and lock in those weapons they're smart enough that they draft those weapons and surround you with that as well as a solid defense tom knew what he was doing and when it was happening it was happening for those reasons he was a big reason he was possibly the only reason that the Patriots won more than three championships because he made sure that he was not eating up a bunch of cap space to where the Patriots could still have a solid defense and also get some weapons around him. And and don't get me wrong, Stone, and I think you'll agree on this. Aaron Rodgers is a good quarterback. Drew Brees is a good quarterback. Peyton Manning's a good quarterback. But you know who was one of my favorite quarterbacks growing up? Dan Marino. Loved watching Dan Marino. He doesn't have a ring. Like, yeah, Dan Marino was fun to watch, but if I'm building my old-time team, I'm taking Tom Brady 10 out of 10 times. It's not a debate. If you want to debate, and I don't even think you can debate it with these guys, but bring me bring me the Joe Montana argument. Bring me the Terry Bradshaw argument. You still are going to lose. But my goodness, why can't Aaron Rodgers just be good for being Aaron Rodgers? He is what he is. It's the same thing on the NBA side, Stone. All these all these young kids, they want to say LeBron's the greatest of all time. LeBron is easily the greatest of this era. I will give you that. But he doesn't have as many rings as Mike. So it's as simple as that. It comes down to championships. And, and it comes down to winning. And, and that's not taking anything away from LeBron. LeBron, look, as a Celtics fan... I've always hated LeBron. I've always hated LeBron James. But I, I've learned to respect him for what he has been to the NBA. So I get a lot of people, they hate Tom Brady. You either love Tom Brady or you hate him. I feel like there's no middle ground. But you at least have to respect him to say, wow, look at look at all of these accomplishments. Look at this resume. And for everyone else, they are what they are. They're good. We're not taking anything away from the Drew Brees. We're not taking anything away from from the Eli Mannings and the Peyton Mannings, but they're not Tom. Exactly. And that's the problem, too, with these people who are constantly sitting here and hating on greatness. Folks, when you see something great in front of you, even if it's from your toughest competitor, your hated rival, you have to respect it. You have to know that that is greatness 100. happening right in front of you. A hundred percent. And you need to embrace it because there's a pretty good chance there will may never be a Tom Brady again. But I think there's a greater chance that there probably will be someone like him but it probably will not be in our lifetime. So you need to embrace what the career was, embrace the winning, embrace the attitude. You got to respect the person. Even if you hated the fact that the Patriots were winning all those titles because he was the face of the franchise. Well, you know what? It takes a special person to be the face of that franchise and a You can arguably say you put anybody else who is maybe more talented and whatnot in that position, the Patriots may not be as successful as they were. You hit it on the head. And and you as a Yankees fan and me as a Red Sox fan know this so so 100%. I hated Mariano Rivera. I hated Derek Jeter. Hate him. But does that take anything away from what they are? Absolutely not. Would I want them in a Red Sox uniform instead of a Yankees uniform? You're damn well right I wanted them in a Red Sox uniform because they were amazing. They were amazing ballplayers. Same thing you would probably say, you hated David Ortiz, but would you have wanted them in a a Yankees uniform? Hell yes, you would sign up 10 out of 10 times. Well, exactly. I don't hate David Ortiz as a person. In fact, I kind of find him very jovial and I enjoy listening to him when he's talking. But that's the big thing is 
<laughs> I'd much rather had Ortiz banging out home runs in Yankee Stadium and the pinstripes than freaking coming in and <laughs> making my life miserable in a Red Sox uniform. Of course. Yeah. But that's where great rivalries are made up of is the fact that those rivalries are able to blossom because these players stay with teams and help become part of that culture. And you, without a shadow of a doubt, you talk about the Patriot way. The Patriot way was allowed to exist and allowed to blossom because of Tom. Tom is the ultimate Patriot. Mark Stone is here. Let's start on the NFC championship side. Eagles over the Niners, 31-7. to At one point on Sunday, Stone, I, I think they called you first, and then they called me. They needed a quarterback for your team, and uh, neither of us uh, picked up the phone. We were too deep in uh, Buffalo Wings at that point. You know what? The NFL has failed miserably when we talk about the fact that they want to protect quarterbacks and they want and they want to make sure the quarterbacks are healthy and upright so you get a competitive game. Well, NFL, take a look at the championship game that you just served up last weekend in the NFC side. San Francisco not only had to go start the game with their third string quarterback after numerous injuries throughout the season, but they couldn't even end the game with their fourth string quarterback because again, we've got a concussion protocol where we're once again you know, protecting players and protecting quarterbacks, and I believe that. But the fact that we trimmed rosters, stressing on on game day from 53 down to 46, you're seeing the problem here. The third-string quarterback no longer dresses. Jacob Easton's on the San Francisco 49ers. And I'm not saying Jacob Easton's a good quarterback by any means, but he does have three career starts. He does know how to get in the game and throw a football. Meanwhile, the Niners had to roll somebody in Brock Purdy back out there with no UCL on his throwing arm even left. He could barely launch the football forward, and you're calling this good football football you're calling this championship football come on nfl it's like i said kyle and john lynch on tuesday said again they're petitioning the nfl to again add two roster spots back to the game day rosters that are for emergency only mainly for those two roster spots to be used as a third string quarterback who dresses and will not play unless the first two quarterbacks are out and the other roster being for a kicker if you lose a kicker in the very beginning of the game or he can't go then that person can get in again i think those are two key components when you're talking about strategy when you're talking about when you're talking about competitiveness which again the nfl and the shield is constantly pushing to us we want these games to be competitive you had no more eyes than that on that game on sunday last week and to have that happen to where philly could go totally conservative doesn't need to really score and put eight men in the box and San Francisco had no chance to come back. I'm not saying San Francisco would have won this game by any means, but they were in this game until Josh Johnson fumbled the ball and that was recovered and they scored right before half. And then he came right out with the encore and got knocked out of this game. The fact that they had nobody else that they could go to, to bring in her to even try to throw the football is pathetic shame on you nfl you should do better well and we were texting during the game and and just to you know make myself clear to you and then also our listeners so i was texting stone i was like man i just feel gypped in this game and and you were like what do you expect i mean it's their four string quarterback i wasn't i wasn't ripping shanahan in the situation because honestly stone he should probably win coach of the year because to get to the NFC Championship game and you were rocking Brock Purdy for most of the season, not taking anything away from Brock, but my goodness, like your original plan fell through and then your backup plan fell through and then you rolled with Purdy and you still got to this point. I just felt gypped from the vantage point of, you know, even if San Francisco lost the game, I just wanted a more competitive game. But on the flip side of that, it's like, well, how competitive is it going to be when you're rolling out a fourth string quarterback and then during the game, we weren't really getting a lot of updates about Purdy. And then when Purdy came back into the game, I'm like, okay, well, was he fine to come back in all along or not? But then he couldn't throw the ball down the field. I'm like, there has to be something wrong with Purdy. We didn't really find out the extent of the injury until kind of later in the game or, or after the game, like the extent of it. So I don't know. I felt like it was shoddy reporting on Fox's part. We weren't really getting a lot of information. Shanahan did as best as he possibly could 
with this team. I just, Stone, I want to see a quarterback on your team take it to the next level. I've now, I've now seen the 49ers. This is a damn good football team, and I feel like the last couple of years they haven't gotten over the hump because of that position. So either, I mean, look, they're probably not moving off of Trey Lance. They spent way too much draft capital on that. Plus you have Brock Purdy. I mean, if you think you can get it done with that, fine. But I am getting exhausted seeing your team get to this point because I feel you're a quarterback, a real true quarterback away from just winning the whole thing and running away with it. Well, and that's where I was disappointed that Tom did hang it up because I think Tom would have been a great stopgap for at least one season there. He would have gotten his chance to get his eighth title with that roster. Yeah. He would have been a great stopgap to mentor both Trey and Brock because Brock might not even be ready for the start of the season. If this is turning to be full-blown Tommy John, which is why he's going to get a second opinion, he's already out for next season, which means it's the Trey Lance show and whoever else they decide to bring in. Kyle has already said on Tuesday that they are not going to go down the Jimmy Garoppolo road. They are done with that. So some QB intrigue, you can say, in San Francisco. I mean, I told you before the game I was fine with moving into next season with Brock and and with with, us. Trey Lance competing for the starting job. Of course, that was before the NFC Championship was played in that injury. But definitely, you would like to see a quarterback who doesn't get injured. But on a second note that I do want to address, and again, folks, I'm not here to be sour grapes because it's not. I picked Philly to win this game. I, I felt Philly was the better team. So I'm not saying Philly wouldn't have won this game otherwise. But refereeing... And I've been hearing it constantly, both games. We should be having the best squads out there. And if there wasn't a case, once again, for the NFL to go with full-time referees, and I've heard it from everybody else, too. We haven't even talked about Kansas City, Cincinnati yet, but everybody goes, well, there's a lot of other players who went their own way. I said, I get that. But if you're going in San Francisco-Philly game, it was very much prevalent, and I think it was prevalent in the Cincinnati-KC game, too. But San Francisco game is what? San Francisco's a team that averages about 50 yards of penalties in a game. They're about in the bottom three in the NFL. To have them with almost 100 yards worth of penalties in this game, and it seemed like every single time that there was a drive that was stalled for Philly, that flag would come out and move forward. I get it. It's a penalty in this and that, but Philly to walk out of there with only 20 yards worth of penalties, my ass. It's It, was, it wasn't evenly called and again too you talk about new york new york's got the ability to radio in and stop things as well the fact that they didn't do that right off the bat in that game with that Devonte smith and yes. i get it it's strategy it's strategy kyle needs to throw that flag and i get it kyle's like well i'm holding on to the flag for when it may be more important later in the game but that was as important of a thing that's a seven point swing right there and the fact that they maybe didn't have the angle access, New York did. And the referee, and the reason why they need to radio in on that one, is when that ball came out on Devontae, the referee did not have a line of sight to it. It was away from him. And so, again, New York should have radioed down. And and, and for sure, again, when you're talking from a – I don't know what you want to say, challenge for dummies 101. When you see the opposing receiver get up and right away wants to move things right away, that should have been an automatic throw that flag. Well, I think, you know, from Kyle's standpoint, I, I, I think you'll agree on this. I see why he didn't throw the flag because I think at one point one, he's like, all right, well, it's the first minutes of the game. I don't want to throw this and lose the challenge that could come back to bite me in the ass later. But two, I also feel like there was a side of him where he's like, okay, maybe New York will radio in on this. And if the NFL has the ability to make the right call, then why do we even have coaches challenges anyway? If it's going to be that type of league stone where it's like, we're going to get the call, right? We have other sets of eyes. We have other refs that are in New York, they're looking at different angles that you don't see on TV, well, then let's just get it right all along and then have it go through New York. See, to me, it doesn't make sense to have the coaches challenge and then have New York when you still get get it wrong. And clearly, that was wrong. They blew the call. Right, right. No, there's got to be some kind of 
there's got to be some kind of, and I get it, they don't want to lengthen games and things like that. Okay, maybe then this is only something that then comes in during playoffs. But yeah. in, in games as big as championship games, you got to get this right. And I've heard from a lot of people too about both these refereeing crews have blown calls all season long. They were both in the bottom, I think, half or bottom third of the league as far as getting, you know, correct plays or whatever on the ranking system. And I'm like, why are we having these referee crews on a championship game on both sides. It makes no sense to me. Well, and isn't it too, um, don't they mix up the crews come playoff time where a a normal ref will work with a crew for the most part for the entire season. And then come playoff time, they take a couple from one crew, a couple from another, maybe one from here. So it's like a mix match of all these different crews. Maybe that's why some of this is, has been chaos. Well, and if that's the case, then they got to stop doing that. Because, again, there is something to be said, about, especially with these guys not being full-time. Yeah. And that's where it's going back to my original argument. Just make them all full-time refs. They're getting compensated enough, you know, in the mid-six figures every single year as their second job. I'll tell you this. There's a lot of people that would be willing to have that as their first job mm-hmm. and be willing to do it full-time. And for as much as what's on the line here, it should be full-time and you probably got a good point. Stop mixing these crews to give everybody a chance to go coach a Super Bowl, coach a championship game. Award it to the best crews from each and every year. The ones that have hit the most calls correct, the best officiated games, those should be the crews that should be doing this. Mark Stone is here. AFC side, definitely the better game. Chiefs beat the Bengals 23 to 20 towards the end man i i texted you in the fourth quarter i'm like here comes here comes joe cool smoking his cigs and it uh it didn't it didn't work out but hell of a game man i mean it's uh i don't know this 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 is going to be one hell of a rivalry for many years to come yeah you know you got two i mean this is everybody was wondering when Peyton retired and, and Roethlisberger retired and Tom was the only one remaining who was going to take the place of those three in the AFC. Well, I think we've got them. I think you've got your, I think you've got your Peyton in, in, uh, in Patrick Mahomes, you know, he's just a guy who's got everything as far as abilities to go, doing different things. He's very cerebral. I think you've got your Tom and Joe Burrow, somebody who's got just ice in the veins, is a pure leader, just can will his way to his team. And I think your Ben Roethlisberger is Josh Allen. Yeah. Now, if he can stop his way from making mistakes and imploding, I think you got your three for the AFC to roll, not to mention, you know, guys we're talking about right on the outside, you know, Justin Herbert and Trevor. Trevor Lawrence, who are going to be right there. The AFC is in a really good position for years to come. We should have some really great football. And and Chiefs in Chiefs Bengals has proven to be one of the best rivalries out there right now. I think everybody thought this was going to be more of Chiefs Bills, but I think I think that's now been Trump. The Bengals have reined in on the party and have moved into that second slot. You know what's crazy, Stone, about the AFC side is you, you mentioned the big three. You mentioned Mahomes. You mentioned Burrow. You mentioned Allen. You know, then there's Herbert, then there's Trevor Lawrence. We didn't even mention Lamar Jackson. I still think Lamar Jackson is is pretty good. You know, you got you got a guy like Tua, and then I'm gonna throw this. I'm gonna throw a guy out there for you. And look, he's coming off a trash season, a trash season. But we can't forget some of these veteran guys where it's like every once in a while magic comes together. You don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. Maybe Russell Wilson like figures it out with Sean Payton and maybe that's something that comes about. So all I'm saying is like that's kind of a dark horse. Like I'm not going to bet against Joe Cool. I'm not going to bet against Mahomes or Allen or Herbert. I'm taking those guys first. But it's kind of like, you know, towards the end of his career with Roethlisberger, like, yeah, he wasn't the the lead horse, but you could really never count him out either because he still had some magic there. And if you put a good team around him, sometimes those quarterbacks don't have to do much. No, you're dead on, and I'm excited for what could happen in Denver here with Sean Payton. I don't think Sean Payton takes this job if he doesn't think he can fix Mr. Limited (laughs) Russell Wilson and put him back into Mr. Unlimited. So I think that's that's the big thing to watch next year. I mean, the AFC West is going to be very, very tough, and, you know— 
if the rumors end up being true where, where Oakland and I mean, Vegas ends up training for Aaron Rodgers, I mean, that division's going to be just brutal. Yeah. And still, even with Rodgers on the Raiders, I would say the Raiders are probably the worst team in that division even after that. Yeah, I was listening to talk radio today and they were talking about how, you know, the Raiders roster is just, oh, it's so, you know, all these playmakers and they have, they have a lot of playmakers, but if they're all coming back, they're all another year older and, yeah, I mean Rodgers is is a damn good quarterback. Is, is I all right? Uh, give me give me honesty here, Stone. Is is Rodgers at this point in his career? Is he that much of an upgrade over Derek Carr? Well, it, 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 the problem is is they've left no out with Carr. Yeah, I mean that that divorce is is final. It's just a matter of where's Carr going. No, I, so, I get that he's gone, but is is bringing in Rodgers? Is it like? is it that much bigger, better of a move? Like, are you going to get that much better quarterback play compared to what we saw from Carr, say, this year? I think you might get a little bit better quarterback play because I think Carr was a little bit lost with McDaniel's system. I think mm-hmm. McDaniels will find a way to rehabilitate himself a little bit and work towards what Rodgers wants to do if Rodgers gets there. But the biggest problem in Vegas and why they're still the worst team in that division is still the defense. Yeah. <laughs> and, and until they find a way to improve that, they're going to be four out of four there. I mean, Denver's defense is still smoking. Kansas City's defense continues to get better. Spags is just running a fantastic show there and those young DBs really have come of age here in the last few games and then even I do call the Chargers defense trash most of the season that they couldn't stop the run but I have a feeling they're going to address that off the seat during the offseason and you can arguably say their offense got better now with the addition of Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator moving forward I'm excited oh. finally about what they can do now Kellen with Moore Justin Herbert Kellen Moore is a total upgrade over uh who they have their Joe, Joe Lombardi. Lombardi oh yeah Lombardi keeps getting these jobs based on his last name I mean that's pretty much why he's getting job after job after job it didn't work in Detroit it didn't work in L LA. I'll tell you what, Stone, what's interesting is what if Denver gets the last laugh with hiring Sean Payton? Everybody, Stone, was like, hey, imagine Payton teaming up with Justin Herbert. How cool would that look? And obviously, uh, uh, Brandon Staley is still the coach for the LA Chargers. And honestly, Stone, with, with Staley there, I'm like, all right, well, next year, if your ownership you're pretty much telling Staley, not only do you have to make the playoffs, but you need to win a playoff game. I feel like for the Chargers next year, it's AFC Championship or bust. Well, it's AFC Championship or bust. And on top of that, now with Kellen Moore in the house, you have a guy that possibly could succeed Brandon yes. Staley as he's been a head coach in waiting. And we, you're speaking of the Denver Broncos, Trevor. We can't have this show without talking about a possible bet. Folks, you want to get in on next year's futures? If you want to lay down a future bet, Vegas has the Broncos at nine wins for next year. <laughs> you bet the over right now. That team won five wins this year all right all right and they had eight games on top of that that they lost that were one possession games you telling me that you put sean payton on this team that they're gonna lose all eight of those games again just say they even lose they even win half of them they win half of them that's already your nine wins add to the fact denver's playing a fourth place schedule next year you got like washington coming to town you've got like chicago if you want the easiest bet future bet for next year folks go to vegas right now lay down that cash on the over on the nine on the Broncos. You know what they're saying right now? Lay them down and slack them, yak them, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We'll uh, we'll end it with that. We'll preview uh, the big game next next week on the program. And uh, more important than previewing the game, we'll also get uh, Stone's Super Bowl spread. What is a necessity for, for Super Bowl uh, being a fat ass at your Super Bowl party. Stone, I appreciate the time. Always a pleasure coming on with you on another Free For All Friday. On the Trevor J. Brown Show.
The Trevor J. Brown Show. Can't get enough of the Trevor J. Brown Show? Join Trevor for bonus content Saturday exclusively on the Spotify app. For bonus content Saturday, Trevor spins the tunes he's enjoying right now, tunes he loves from the past, great local music, and also continues to build his playlist of his favorite and, in his opinion, the greatest songs of all time. Join Trevor for bonus content Saturday exclusively on the Spotify app. We invite you tomorrow to check out Bonus Content Saturday. It's on the Inherent Dream Podcast Network, but exclusively on Spotify. For the month of February, we are continuing to build our playlist of the thousand greatest songs of all time. This month, we are adding songs from Tommy James and the Shondells, Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs, Coldplay, David Bowie, The Birds, and many, many more. You can follow along with the playlist on Spotify. Just search for The 1000 Songs by the Inherent Dream Podcast Network. After this month, we will be up to 121 songs, 7 hours, and 38 minutes of music. Also, we invite you to our website anytime, but especially on Monday, we are launching the Inherent Dream Gallery. This is sort of a best of all of the best digital art and photography shots in the history of our company. At least we feel they're the best of. So we will be continuing to add to this gallery as our company continues to grow. But these are our best so far since 2015. So the Inherent Dream Gallery is launching on Monday on our website. We will put things out on Twitter and Facebook, and uh, you can obviously just go to InherentDream.com, and the gallery will be live there on Monday, so we invite you to check it out. I hope you have a fantastic weekend. Thanks so much for checking out this program. Thanks so much for listening to Bonus Content Saturday, and also 763 The Local, with local news, information, weather, sports, a community calendar, and interviews for our friends in Elk River, Zimmerman, Princeton, Malacca, Minnesota, and the surrounding communities as well. That is a program that airs weekday mornings here on the Inherent Dream Podcast Network. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. This has been the Trevor J. Brown Show. The opinions expressed on this show do not express the views of staff, management, or sponsors of Inherent Dream Production Company or streaming services where the show may be heard. The Trevor J. Brown Show is a production of Inherent Dream Production Company. This is the Inherent Dream Podcast Network.